0: a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you'd like to find your seats again. Do you know, that was a wonderful sound. It was. It was, it was, it was family. Family. There was a wonderful... Up, 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 it's almost like we're speaking in tongues, it sounded like from here, but, but, but it was just wonderful. It's just, I, I generally was enjoying just listening to the family, catching up and reconnecting, saying, how are you doing? Good to see you. Uh, so, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Uh, God's with us this morning. Praise Him, mate. Uh, let me just pray for us, and then we'll get into God's Word together. My name's Martin, if I had a chance to say hi to you. I have asked opportunity to bring God's Word to us this morning. Let's just pray, shall we? Jesus, we thank you that you're wonderful. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you're for our brothers and sisters around the world. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you intervene in our lives. Thank you for the greatest intervention in our lives, the cross and the resurrection. When people say to me, I wish Jesus would intervene, I say he already has. That's the anchor of our faith, Lord. We thank you that we are victorious, whatever happens in our lives. But we do thank you that your kingdom is coming now, as well as in the future. And so we thank you that we're not destitute in lacking nothing. We have your spirit amongst us, working in us and working in your church. And we pray, Spirit, would you speak to us, would you lead us, continue to lead us, as we look at the Word of God together. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning to you. Wonderful, really wonderful to gather. Uh, we gather in two settings on Sunday mornings, this, this congregation here and a congregation on the other side of town in Great Denham. Uh, they, they send their love, I'm sure. They didn't actually say that particularly, but I assume they would if I asked them. So they, 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 I'm sure they're sending their love anyway. But, uh, it, so Wonderful to gather as family in this context, as part of a wider family. We, I'll be doing a series looking at the letter written by one of the uh, first believers or followers of Jesus, a guy called Peter. And he wrote two letters that are recorded in the New Testament part of the Bible. And so we've been looking at his first letter. And we've been looking at how it, how it enables us to live strong as believers. So living strong is what our series has been. And today we're going to be looking at standing firm. Standing firm. Standing firm in the faith. And in light of all that the last two years have been, in light of what's currently going on in the world, uh, this is a very appropriate uh, end to our series. It's the last part of looking at 1 Peter. Uh, and in fact, uh, we are skipping a few verses because we just would not have time to cover. We're looking at chapter 5 and beginning of chapter 5 talks about leadership and servant leadership and, and how that's to be modelled in churches. Uh, then there's a lot about humility for us all in the church uh, and there's some wonderful truths in there. But I really felt led to preach on the final verses of this section, which is a section that talks about, interestingly, resisting the devil, resisting the enemy, and knowing the the, the devil's schemes and tactics, and how we stand firm in our faith. Uh, And uh, I don't often talk about the devil, because you don't, do you? You know, it's not about him, it's about Jesus, but helpfully, Peter instructs the early church about how we're to recognise his workings in our life. And so we're particularly going to draw from 1 Peter. There's other versions, uh, other sorry, uh, examples when... Um, in fact, Tremaine talked about uh, how another example in Ephesians, how we're to, 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 to be equipped in all that we do. But 1 Peter 5, from verse 7 to 14, is really helpful. And so we're looking at standing firm and looking at how the devil works... Uh, But before we get into that, let me just read from verse 7. It's almost like Peter sets the tone for the next part that he's going to describe. When we're going to be looking at how the devil tries to undermine us as believers. And he says this in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What a great start. I'm going to talk about the devil in a minute and how we need to be smart and alert and wise about how he operates, because he's far more devious than what we might think. It's clear and easy to see the evil that's at work in our world at the moment, very visible in what's going on, of course. But these verses are more about the subtle ways that Satan would work. Peter begins by saying, "No, no, no! Cast all your anxieties on Him, on Jesus, because He cares for you." Peter lived with Jesus. He knew this man, this God-man, that He was describing. He had first-hand experience of this. And interestingly, the word that for cast is the word uh, uh, that is means throw. It's the same word that's used when Jesus entered. Jerusalem in what was known as a triumphal entry when he rode on a donkey uh, and on Palm Sunday, if you're familiar with that, and the, the people there cast through cloaks onto the donkey and then he sat on the donkey and he rode in with this amazing amount of celebration. It's the same word used to throw your cares, throw your anxieties upon God. So there's a, there's a really throwing, allowing Jesus, if you like, to ride them away from us. So first and foremost Peter wants to say no, no, cast some of your cares, all of your cares. And sometimes it can feel like we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders. So it feels like at the moment, doesn't it? Wow, this is heavy. And Jesus says, no, cast all your cares. Why? Because I care for you, Jesus says. So it's a great beginning to this final section. And then... Peter begins to explain how, how the devil works. Now, some of you will know that I'm in the process of educating myself on Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There's a woo. A woo for Marvel Comics. And I'm, I, you know, I've sussed Spider-Man, I think. Uh, I discovered the other day there's three Spider-Men, is that right? Yeah, if you've seen the latest movie. But spoiler alert, I'm afraid for that. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about a character called Mystique. Yes? It's a Mystique. So, so if you're an X-Men fan, <laughs> look, I read this this week. Okay, I don't really know this stuff. So, if you're an X-Men fan, uh, this is what someone wrote, which I found helpful. Any fan of the X-Men movies knows that Mystique is a deadly foe. She is a shape. Shifter, a shapeshifter, able to transform her appearance in order to disguise herself as other people. That's quite a talent, isn't it? A shapeshifter. So I'm looking at Luke. It's not really Luke. It's it's Mystique, masquerading as Luke. It is Luke. Tis Luke, right? It is Luke. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what Peter's trying to say? Oh, let me read on. Sorry. Uh, uh, To able to transform her appearance in order to disguise herself as other people. The X-Men have to be on constant alert against her never-ending deceptions. And what Peter's warning the believers is that the devil is like a shapeshifter. He appears in different forms. And Peter wants us to recognise those different forms, and recognise that this is the devil at work, and how he's going to use those appearances in a, I guess, in a way that mystique. Mystique sounds quite positive, but I think she's a I think she's a baddie. Uh, and uh, we're going to look at the four different disguises that Peter highlights uh, in the way of that sort of shape-shifting mode. Uh, to enable us to recognize the, how the devil's working and how we respond. Is that okay? So, four different disguises. The first disguise is this suffering. The devil's first disguise is suffering. Verse 8 says this Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The disguise, number one, is sufferings. It's interesting, one of the ways that Peter begins to explain and bring some insight on how the devil works is he describes him like a lion uh, in verse 8. And uh, let me read you one of the commentaries on this by a guy called Phil Moore, who some of you will be familiar with. Phil Moore says this about the way that Peter describes Satan like a lion. He says this, Peter says that persecution or suffering, Peter says that persecution or suffering is deceptive. The devil comes at us with sharp teeth and claws, but is merely like a roaring lion. Jesus is the true lion of Judah, of the tribe of Judah. And he commands us to see the devil's threats for the bluster that they are. I love that. I've never never viewed those those words quite like that. He's like a lion. It, 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 there's always pretense, there's always bluster. See, what we need to recognise is we're not talking about what technically would be dualism. Dualism is that, that somehow Jesus and the devil are equally powerful. No, 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 no. Peter's saying, no, no, the devil's like a lion. There's a real lion of Judah, which is how d- Jesus is described in Revelations. There's a real victorious one. And in fact, the devil is, a d- is defeated on the, on the cross, through the cross. And what we're experiencing now is like skirmishes after the victory has been won. We're living in in that period. They're still suffering. But they're skirmishes. They're they're, 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 they're an overflow. But the battle, the victory is won. And the the end game is certain. And Peter says to us, be alert though. He's talking about having sober mind. Be of clear mind. Get get this clear in our thinking that suffering is one of the ways that the devil disguises himself. What's interesting, he connects it with the family of believers. You notice that? He says in those verses, we may need to pop them back up again if they're not there already. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings or pain or challenge or difficulties, whatever it might be. It's very interesting that, that Peter connects sufferings with connection with the rest of the family of believers. So often when we are knowing challenge or pain or even suffering our lives, we can be tempted to withdraw from the family of believers. This is why I find this imagery of lion really helpful. Because uh, have you ever noticed how a pride of lions catch their prey? We've all seen it. We've all seen David Attenborough do his thing, yeah? Well, m- many years ago, Dawn and I went, thankfully, oh, very blessed, we went with our girls when they left, uh, finished school, when they were going to university, Dawn and I went to Kenya. And we went on safari then. And I remember one of the places we stayed at looked, uh, looked over a Water? Water? A waterhole, thank you. It's my wife down there, giving me prompts. That's right. You need my script in front, then you can prompt me. So there's a waterhole, and we were eating on this sort of um, sort of balcony, really, with all the other people at, at that hotel. And as we're, we're about to begin our food, we're watching uh, this amazing waterhole. We can see animals beginning to feed and beginning to drink from this waterhole. Um, Pumbaa was there. And, and all the other <laughs> Disney characters, it, it was wonderful. Uh, and then we're just about to eat, and suddenly there was all the hubbub, you know, in the restaurant. And then suddenly, all went quiet, and, no, and everyone stopped eating and talking. And you looked, and they're all looking out, because in the darkness, it was pitch black. You could see cat's eyes. You could see a pride of lions beginning to circle around round the water. It was really. Exciting. I'm thinking, I'm about to eat my tea, and they're about to eat their tea, I thought. Is that, is that bad taste? Well, OK. <laughs> and, uh, but actually, what was interesting was, was that, that suddenly the, the, the lions began to disappear, and it, it seemed that the, the, the animals, Pumbaa, was safe with the rest of them. But what I was thinking about this, what we've noticed, haven't we, when we've watched any wildlife programme on TV, how a pride of lions will look for the suffering one. The one who's hurting, the one who's injured, the one who's on the edge of the group. And, and that's the one that a pride and lion will pick off. And then you read these words and, and uh, Peter helpfully recognises when we have suffering, we have to connect with the family of God. And, and there's something about how we need to understand, be alert to how the devil works when we're suffering. I would put it this way, suffering... Plus isolation equals vulnerability or vulnerable. So often, so often, I might talk to someone or I hear of someone who is hurting. Uh, it may have been the church that's hurt them. Or they're going through difficult times and for some reason they withdraw from church. It's the, it's the time that we need to connect back in again. Even these last two years have been a time of enforced isolation. And we need to re-engage and reconnect. Because if we're not part of the family, we're in a very, very vulnerable place. Because the devil uses suffering. And even if we find ourselves, we're not suffering ourselves today. In fact, think life is good at the moment. But if we're not connected to the family, then we're placing ourselves in a really vulnerable place. I've been really really troubled when I some of these conversations I've had with people or I've heard other people have had, And people have said things like, oh, "I just just love, love being the, the extra family time we've had over the, over the lockdown." So, so we're going to come to church once a month. Or on a Sunday, or they're sort of in a community group, but it's more they're in the WhatsApp community group. You know they're not, I can't tell you, it troubles the life out of me. I could weep. I don't often weep, but I could weep. Cause I think, my goodness, we'll place ourselves in vulnerable places when we do that. Because Jesus, sorry, Satan will use that isolation. So well done for being here today. Because you're, 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 in your action of being here today, you are recognising that we need one another. And if, boy, we need one another today, like we've never needed each other before. I'll leave that with you. Tell your friends. Tell your loved ones. Don't get isolated. The devil's second disguise. Wrong perspective. Wrong perspective. This is fascinating how Peter does this. So in verse 10, it says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. He wants, the devil wants us to lose perspective or get wrong perspective of what's happening in our lives where we can feel overwhelmed or even go to a place of panic because of of what we're experiencing. Whereas Peter reminds us of a right perspective of how to navigate life. He talks about eternal glory. He doesn't just talk about glory. He talks about eternal glory. He talks about when we've suffered a little while. You know, it's just the, the language he, he's trying to say, look, let's not get this out of perspective. He says he will res- God will restore us, Jesus will restore us, he will make us strong, firm and steadfast. And just to seal it, he says to him, Be the power forever and ever. Amen. It's like, like I'm declaring that there's a perspective that we find when we recognize that Satan wants to change our perspective even as we were worshiping today i'm sure we all experienced we had a perspective perspective change didn't we i, I mean what sealed it was when paul came uh, thank you paul you are such a blessing when you oh, i will praise the lord i will i will i will it was like the same with yeah because he's jesus he's he's glorious it almost hear me right it almost doesn't matter what's going on in the world it does matter, and it matters to him, of course. But in terms of perspective, Jesus hasn't changed at all. And so Satan, his disguise is that we get a wrong perspective on what we're currently experiencing. We think, we think life on this earth is what it's all about. It's, it's an eternal glory. I mean, Sue, bless her heart. Sorry, Sue, but Sue, bless your heart. Ron knew that. Ron knew that. It was about eternal Ron's gone to be with the Lord. He lived that. He knew he knew it was about eternal glory. And he faced death with such courage because he knew. He knew. Praise God. Uh, Luke helpfully mentioned about our prayer meeting next. We've got lots of prayer meetings, which is wonderful. Uh, but we've got a prayer meeting next Sunday evening. Do you know one of the things that happens in prayer meetings? We've got our perspective right. We come in with a weight of the world. As in a sense, we need to come with and cast our anxieties and we call out to God, we pray for Him to intervene, and praise God, He does. But also, we walk out, change people. We walk out full of God and full of faith. That's what happens in prayer meetings. Makes you want to be at a prayer meeting, doesn't it? Does me. I need that. I need to be with God's people. So, number two is the devil's second disguise is wrong perspective. The devil's third disguise is division or a lack of unity. He says this in verse 12, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, I'll explain that in a minute, the she is like, she? Who's she? You know, where, where is, where's, where's she? There's a whole debate on who she is. But we'll come to she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does some Mark. Peter mentions deliberately two other leaders that he's partnering with. He, he actually presents and demonstrates unity. Now, we can, we can miss this. It's like, oh, well, he's honouring that guy, he's honouring that guy. No, he's saying, look, look, Silas was an apostle in his own right. He had a, had a work in his own right. He helped Peter to translate into Greek, I understand. And he describes him as his faithful brother. And later when he talks about Mark... That's the Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And many scholars would say that actually Mark wrote a Gospel using Peter's sermons, and he shapes using Peter's sermons to write his, his Gospel. And so there's a really close association with Mark. But what Peter is presenting is unity. The next letter, the second letter, is all about disunity. But here he's presenting how believers and These leaders are standing together. I needed the help of Silas. He's been a faithful brother. And Mark, my beloved Mark, is the phrase he uses. It's wonderful. Division, we know, is so destructive. And it's one of the disguises that Satan uses. So when you fall out with someone in this church, because you will, Someone will offend you. Probably me. <laughs> I'll say something that I either don't mean or was badly worded or I was just wrong. And you'll be offended. Maybe justifiably. And you'll be tempted to use it as a moment of disunity. Now, you may need to talk to me and I may need to apologise. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that those things don't matter but if you're in any church things will happen we will hurt each other we will let each other down because I don't know about you but I'm not quite perfect yet yeah God is still working in me as he's working in you which means we will rub each other the wrong way and we will say the things we shouldn't have said but we forgive learn to forgive one another And we learn to walk together and we we do this. We, we, We make sure that we're unified together. Amen? It's a powerful thing. The world doesn't handle things like that. But we should. Praise God. But it's one of the disguises. Finally, the fourth disguise is seduction. Seduction. Let's go back to verse 13. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now, who's the she in this? Well, there's been much debate by scholars. Is Peter talking about his wife? She sends, his love, sends her love, uh, that type of thing. Most scholars would say this is this is almost code language for talking about the church. So she, as in the church, sends her greetings. And, but what about, what about Babylon? I mean, we know from early Christian writing that Paul was at, sorry, Peter was, was in Rome. He wasn't in Babylon. He was actually writing from Rome. So what does that mean? And again, uh, Phil Wilthew, not Phil Wilthew, sorry, different Phil. Phil Moore uh, says this. I don't think it's on, on the screen, so let me read it to you. Really helpful. This code is inspired by the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Where the people of God, the church, is depicted as Zion, and the culture of this sinful age is depicted as Babylon. So, this is like code for the church in a culture that is holding different values that the church would hold. And so he says, She, the church, who's in Babylon, not really in Babylon, but sends, because Peter was in Rome, but is in a context that is different to the con- you know, different to the culture that Christians will stand by, sends you her greetings. Does that make sense? So why is he saying that? He's saying that one of the devil's schemes, if he can't get us and hoodwink us through suffering, if he can't enable our perspective to go wrong, if he can't put division in the church, he seduce us by encouraging us to adopt the wrong thinking of the culture around us. It took a while to get there, didn't it? I know? But you need to understand. The so basically he's saying don't fall into the temptation of saying well the world around me thinks this, therefore I'm going to think this. Don't be seduced. And there's many things that we could go into. Stand firm in what we believe the truth of the Bible is. Because it's a tactic, it's a disguise of the devil. He's clever, you know. Be alert, but he's not all-powerful. And Peter writes his words because we can stand firm. There's no, there's no, there's no maybe, no, no, he's not, he's not the lion. He's like a lion, but we can be smart, we can be wise. And we can stand firm in our faith. And then he rounds it off, which is a great place to finish. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Peace to all, we're those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the final word in this letter. I love it. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Whether we're suffering, whether there's a wrong perspective, whether there's division, or even there's that sense of seduction, recognize, we must recognize the devil's schemes, but we are those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, let's stand together, shall we? I'd love us to, can we sing one more song? Can you cope with one more song? Services are getting longer, aren't they? Is that a good thing? Colin, thank you. Uh, why don't we do um, uh, I Believe? The one, the one we've done already. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, Thank you. Over to you, Cole. Shall I keep talking for a minute? That's it, let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we thank you that through Peter you have so helpfully communicated so much in this letter. We thank you for how we have surprisingly identified with this, this context, this church and this setting. Uh, Lord, we're aware of, of what a, what, how tough these last two years have been. And, uh, Lord, you know, COVID hasn't gone. And we are still feeling the repercussions of all of the impact that has happened. We're also aware, of course, of the suffering across the world. And uh, we're mindful that we are living in dark days. But, Lord, we thank you that Peter writes to a church that is in a, in a difficult context. Soon they're going to experience martyrdom. And in the midst of that, he helpfully instructs us about understanding how Satan works and encourages us to be unified together, encourages us to have the right perspective, encourages us to, to, when suffering comes, to ensure that we turn to God's people and turn to you, that we don't become isolated and vulnerable. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you have reminded us that we should be wise about the culture around us, not to be seduced into wrong thinking. Help us, Jesus, to be those that follow true to you in all these ways. We place our trust in you, Jesus, once again, and we thank you that you are always enough. Always enough. Amen. Amen. Let's bring our focus on Jesus as we finish.